Welcome to Pull Quotes. I'm Lydia Abraha. And I'm Michal Stein. Every year, February comes and goes, and we have 28 glorious days to celebrate Black History Month, which I should remind you is the shortest month of the year. With this comes a slew of articles, TV specials, and radio documentaries meant to highlight Black history and culture. But what does all of this really teach us about Black history? What do we really learn about the Black people making history? Lydia will be joined by Camille Copin, a fourth-year Ryerson journalism student. We look at Now Magazine's Black Future Month special issue and various CBC articles. The first story we'll talk about is about breaking down barriers for Black youth in tech, and it was written by Rad Simone Pillai. It's about participants in Black Futures Digital Tech, an initiative funded by the Ontario Black Youth Action Plan. He writes about the people who get placed in different tech internships that they wouldn't have been able to access. Here's Camille Copin. Lydia. <laughs> hey Camille. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You know, Black History Month has been a thing all February, as it is every February. Um, and we're here to talk about some of the articles that we came across throughout the month that either resonated with us or we hated. So first article we're going to talk about is Breaking Down Barriers for Black Youth in Tech. It was published in Now Magazine. And I guess, like, what was your take on it? Um, I feel like I'm in a bit of, like, a state right now just because we're, like, post-Oscars and Green Book won and that was really upsetting. And then, like, based on that win, I've been thinking a lot about, like, the white-based narratives of Black life that we kind of keep, like, perpetuating in mainstream media. And as I was reading the article, I couldn't help but keep thinking, like, this is a really frustrating, like, poor Black kids are getting the opportunity to, you know, propel in tech. And it's not to say that it's a bad article. It's a good story. I like it. I just wish it focused more on the person as a profile instead of like the person working through a system that was created essentially by white people. Yeah, I guess I I agree with you. I think it is kind of like that trope of like um, poor black kids are making it through anyways. Like, you know? You go. Yeah, like good for you guys. And like, I don't know, I think like Black History Month is, is kind of more than that. Like, I feel like this is the kind of story you could do at any point. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, part of... Because uh, this is part of, like, Now Magazine's Black Futures, like, theme issue. That's another that thing that do. annoyed me. I was like, why is this in the... Um, it's, in a, it's in the Black Futures, like, subsection, which is fine. But why was it angled like this? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that was the choice of the editor or, like, where that hit in the storyboard meeting. But it's just, like... There was another angle that you could have taken with this that would have emphasized black culture and black triumph in a way that didn't like preface it with your poor. Like we know. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, like I think that could have been done a lot better. Um I think it kinda it almost makes you think like uh, and I was talking about this with our producer Michelle Stein, who was like, you know, do you think that there's so many like stories that have to do about like 
the black community that editors just often like push off until like February <laughs> when it's like appropriate to talk about these things, you know? Like, oh yeah, let's fit yeah. let's fit the coloreds in. <laughs> let's fit them in. It's their month. It's yeah. their it's only twenty eight days. It's the shortest month of the year, but let's just fit them in. And yeah, like I think it's it, it yeah, like this kinda is one of those stories and um it's kind of it's upsetting, but it's also like in an odd sense, I feel like this is kind of, like, one of the better, like, coverage of Black History Month. Like, I agree. a lot of the stuff, especially, like, from CBC or, like, other, like, those major news outlets have just been putting out things that are, like, here are six things you didn't know about Black people that you should probably know about. They're there are cool. six books that are by Black authors that you can never read. Yeah. You will never... You... Listen... You will never go to this article, see these books, go to Chapters or Indigo and find these books. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. And that that's not something that should be published. Like, don't publish a story about it because it's written by a black person. Publish a story about it because it's a fine piece of literature. That's what I'm saying. Like, you don't have to emphasize the fact that they're black before you say anything good that they did. Like, mm-hmm. that's such a frustrating and it, it happens in the media so often in CBC, I'm sorry, CBC, <laughs> but you like they're they're very I think it's because they they're working with their audience, which we know is predominantly older white people. But it's just like, you know, stop exoticizing us or making it seem like this is an interesting book because it's written by a black person no this is an interesting book because of the storyline and because of the things that went behind it and because of the author's illustrations etc and that like brings us into like i guess our next article that we have up here our next article like from cbc which is six works of canadian fiction to read for black history month in 2019 this one was written by ryan b patrick the like the biggest thing when i was looking at the page was they literally put um the picture of the person of color right beside the cover of the book oh yeah that's a little weird right and i'm just like did we have to know that like you just said, there are people of color. Yeah. Didn't we? Like, did you need proof? Like, <laughs> did you need their headshot. Like, I don't think that was necessary. Like, I I get it, and I see what you mean, but it's like it's a compliment. It's like it just this whole piece like just screams like this is complimentary to Black History Month. But like, I don't know. Like, I feel like you could put that up also like any time of the year. Like, I don't think that is specifically like tailored for Black History Month, and like it's something that's been done so many times like mm-hmm. i found so many articles like this from like the last four years mm-hmm. and i'm just like come on like we can do better like um he was sorry go on no it's okay um i mean I, I don't know if these are like underrated authors i was just gonna say like maybe if they're under like you could talk about the underrated authors or yeah. like those like authors from independent or um like indie like publishing companies or whatever and i don't know like i feel like it's just such a lack of creativity. The point of Black History Month is to remember that Black people and Black identified, like, we have always been here. We have always been contributing. We have always, you know, added to the advancement of society. And if we focus on the fact that it's only ever going to be celebrated in Black History Month, then Black History Month has no point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that's the thing. And it's it's interesting because, like, 
I recently came upon this discovery that the first female journalist in North America was Canadian. I, like, have you like heard of what's her name, Marianne Shad? I hadn't, but that's super yeah. interesting. And she's a black woman, and she had this whole publication that was dedicated to the anti-slavery movement, mm-hmm. um, and uh, encouraged a lot of like uh, freed or like runaway slaves to come to Canada. It was like. It was this publication that was for abolitionists that were for people like all over the north in um, the U.S. and also accessible to people in Canada. And like, I was like, wow, like this is something that you'll never see, like, and for Black History Month coverage. But it's something that is that is there, right? Like, yeah. And we don't talk about that. We never talk about like the longevity of blackness, right? Like yeah. this this should be an opportunity to talk about that because it's Black History. But instead, we're gonna talk about like six authors that someone probably googled at their desk and was like, okay, let's uh, let's put this there. But you know what? And I think that's super telling because I don't think their interest was ever Black longevity. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think it's just give give them their 15 minutes of fame so they shut up for 28 days and we'll keep it pushing with our basic coverage like the other (laughs) however many days it's like I was doing some research for um a couple pieces I was doing for Black History Month ironic well it's not ironic (laughs) but in general like as a journalist I try to focus on my community stories because I know otherwise they probably won't be touched on Um, and I was appalled at the lack of information or the lack of um, no yeah the lack of information about black history in Canada Mm -hmm. but it's because they're not covering our stories all year round you know it's because they're not mentioning us and including us in like stories and productions as they happen it's we'll talk about it now and we'll push it under the rug for the rest of the year yeah and that just like perpetuates like constantly and now like that's why we are where we are we'll always be stagnant if we just if we're always thought of us as a subgroup mm-hmm. we'll always be stagnant yeah and it's like a thing too where like i like how you mentioned about like being a black journalist and feeling like you have to provide this content because no one else will and like i get so much like i guess not like hate but like I don't know. I get shade. I feel like a lot of times where I like I report on these on racial issues like a lot. Like that's kind of my thing. And like it's because I know no one else is going to do it. Like, you know, and like if they had more of that representation in the newsrooms and like those and not even just newsrooms, but like in the senior positions of newsrooms, like then the stories that we see during a month like this would probably be more meaningful and more impactful. Right. Yeah. I think the problem um the problem really stems from the fact that we are the only ones representing our voice. Right. Like, that's really it. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, I find myself getting frustrated because then I'm, like, typecast. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. well, she's the black person in the room, so let's ask her every single opinion about what we should do, what we should cover, if we're getting this right. And I just want to be like you should know yeah it's not my job to know what the place of black people is in society it's your job to know right i know where i stand in society and i know what my community is capable of and i i know where we've come from i know my history i know all this stuff but you don't and that's where the issues are coming from and i hate the term white allies (laughs) i really like it really makes me cringe yeah but the fact of the matter is the people that are higher up 
or the people that have because of what uh, whatever like racially um based on their sex and gender like because they are put at a position that's higher <laughs> this makes me angry <laughs> because they are put in a position that's higher unfortunately I truly believe that it doesn't matter how hard we work or how hard we fight. If they aren't actively working with us, we're not going to get anywhere. Or, okay, not that we're not going to get anywhere, but it's going to take 10 times as long. Yeah, that's a tr- it's a long fight, man. It's a long, 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 long fight of friggin' fight. six works of Canadian fiction to read for Black History Month. <laughs> Shut up. That they do every year. I don't every have time year. for this. These are great books, though. That like <laughs> actually, I went now that I'm looking at them all. I'm like, <laughs> these are really good books. Like yeah. I read, um, I read Theory by Dion Brand, and okay, like all this, it's good. Yeah. But Dion Brand would be angry to be included. Maybe something like that. Yeah. She would literally be like, take me off your stupid. <laughs> freaking no, your propaganda list. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh, oh, oh. Especially in Canada where, like, if we could, like, because we love to compare ourselves to the States, and I have to admit, because I'm also from the States, I, like, in the States, like, there's not really, like, you don't have to be apologetic about wanting to cover these kind of stories because the importance of it isn't argued. Um, or, like, at least if you're talking to the right people, if you know what I mean. Um, Shout out Fox News. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but I, not to say there are probably, like, that, not to say there's no problems in American media, because there is, but in Canada, it's almost like we look at stories like this, like, about six books by Black authors. How is that at all? Like, there's so many other stories, you I know? think the issue, honestly, comes from the fact that Canadians generally, they think that Canada is this, you know be all end all safe haven for any person of color and the reality is it has never been like that mm-hmm. ever and so these shallow representations of the, of um the black community come from the fact that they do not know and they do not care to insert themselves in black life exactly that it is what it is i was thinking about this like with our producer and um and i think like my i think in, and i Idea that most news companies or outlets should think about when they're talking about black history is like black history is history right like nothing about it is going to change and it's something yeah. that we should talk about and there's always new things to discover but I think like we should be talking about the ways that black people are making history right now yeah like I feel like that's kind of like it's 2019 like we should be able to have those conversations we should be able to articulate those kind of things yeah so yeah like I just don't know for how much longer we're going to have to keep having these conversations um but I do think that until we are regarded as equal and, um, um, yeah, as equal members of society, that it's always going to be a struggle to get our stories, you know, not typecast because it's almost like you have like arts and life, you have community, you have, you know, science, technology, business, da 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 da, black people. <laughs> like, like as its own entity. As its own entity. Yeah. Or like, I shouldn't even say black people, people of color in general. Like that, I'm happy people are trying to include more diversity, but I'm upset that diversity is a sub, um, a subtopic that's inserted into um, daily discourse. I think we need to understand that the system needs an overhaul mm-hmm. from the ground up. Yeah. So it's not, we let it get to the top and go... Oh shit, we gotta get Pamela from Diversity to look at this one. 
it's no. We need to have Johnny <laughs> from development, okay, <laughs> to start looking at this and figuring out where are our microaggressions, where are our micro-racist tendencies that we're not noticing that's mm-hmm. just embedded into us because of the society that, that we've been growing in, you know? Because it shouldn't just be up to Black writers. It shouldn't just be up to writers of color and Indigenous writers and Asian writers and, you know, like, anyone should be able to cover any story because they should be able to look at it fairly without bias and say this is important because people not this is important because you're black you know there can't be that division anymore because as long as there's that division we're never going to have journalism that is equal for everyone not even equal that is equitable thank you so much for coming in to talk to us camille of course really love having you on holla at me anytime you need me And now for our favorite segment, pull quotes. Lydia, what's your pull quote? I wanted to highlight a Twitter thread from Edmonton reporter Bashir Mohammed. He did a call out for non-white journalists that are covering the alt-right as a consistent beat after noticing that a majority of those reporters are white. In the thread, he gives examples of how not having non-white reporters can alter our perception of the growing movement. My pull quote is Aman Adil Bayer's response to the thread. Amon is a Canadian fashion and politics journalist based in New York City. She said, anytime I pitched a story on racism, particularly in schools, my producers would gently suggest another reporter front the story, including a piece I spent a year researching. I think that was an important thing for her to note because um, a lot of times, like, I guess producers or senior people in newsrooms don't want to put racialized people at the front lines of these like reporting on these issues and these movements because they're afraid of their safety or they feel like they won't be able to get the story um, put together in the best way. But like that is kind of wrong because racialized people are probably more adept to like reporting on these things because they have the opposite experience or the opposite understanding of the alt-right or they usually do. What is your pull quote, Michal? So last week, while we were on Reading Week, there was another big round of magazine layoffs, this time at Style at Home, Canadian Living, and Elle Canada. The parent company is TVA, and they're based out of Montreal, and it looks like that's where they're going to move the editorial work to. Uh, So Ruti Kuroteyev wrote an article for JSource about the layoffs uh, called What Layoffs at Elle Canada, Style at Home, and Canadian Living Mean for the Future of Print? She quotes Marissa Barrington, who is one of the women that was affected by the layoffs. She was the digital assistant at Canadian Living and Style at Home. So my pull quote comes from her. Those women who worked on the magazine did an incredible job. They were so dedicated to it, said Barrington. I can't fathom how they could possibly continue on that level without having those same people. How do you preserve the quality of a magazine when you're getting rid of the people who made the magazine of quality? I think it's important to look at how layoffs affect the quality of the product. Obviously, layoffs are an economic function, but you have to kind of wonder how the magazines will work out in the long run. And when when BuzzFeed laid off all those journalists a couple of weeks ago, this is uh, a question I was also kind of asking myself. What will the website look like without those voices that I've come to associate with it? 
Um, so anyway, I hope that the people who were laid off are able to land on their feet, and we will continue to watch what happens with these publications as a result. And that's our show. Pull Quotes is produced by Michelle Stein and by me, Lydia Abraha. Thanks to Camille Copen for joining us today. Thanks to Angela Glover and Lindsay Hanna for technical help. Our executive producer is Sonia Fata. If you learned something today, please help us spread the word by sharing our show on social media and leaving us a rating on iTunes. Have a friend who's into Canadian journalism? Tell them about Pull Quotes. They'll thank you. We promise. You can find me on Twitter at Liddy Abraha. And me at Michal Stein, too. You can also visit rrj.ca for new stories every week. We'll see you next week on Pull Quotes. 